We welcome you to the Christian Ministries Church podcast. We believe God has a message for you today that will encourage and speak truth to your heart and life. Let's join Pastor Melanie Bertolio as she shares the word with us today. Thank you, church, for being here on a Wednesday night. We got a great crowd tonight, and that is exciting because that just is evidence that God is doing something here. I love it. God is working. He's moving in CMC, Missouri, in Arkansas and Hot Springs. But I just believe that God is just doing something on the earth right now that is, um, he's always been moving, always been working. But I just believe wholeheartedly that we're just going to begin to see it that the world is going to begin to, to be, it's, it, it, they're not going to be able to deny it. And um, I, I want that to happen here, folks, and it's up to us. It's not up to God. God wants to do it. He wants to move. He wants to do things here. Um, we've just got to be open to what he wants to do. So I'm just asking tonight, as we break open the Word of God, we're going to be reading a lot of it tonight. Um, would you let the Lord do in you what he wants to? Would you let the Holy Spirit just have you, have your heart and your mind for the next 30 minutes? And let's just see what God wants to show us through the story of someone very unlikely. Um, but I, I'm, I'm thrilled to be talking tonight about Rahab. We talked last week about Sarai, who then became Sarah. And I love that, that Sarai... Uh, was a name that, that meant contention. And she was always striving and contending, and she was argumentative. But when she quit all that garbage, she, she got a new name, and that new name represented the new her, and that name was Sarah, which w meant woman of high rank someone who was noble and could be looked to. And I love that. And today we're going to talk about someone um, who, according, according to um, the tradition, would probably have been seen as someone kind of like Sarah when she was a bit more contentious. Um, and, but, you know, we read about her in Hebrews 11. And I don't know if you know uh, for uh, a lot of you do, but some of you might not know it. Sometimes that Hebrews 11 is called the hall of faith. And the reason it's called the hall of faith is because we learn about all these people that we can look to throughout the word of God as examples of people who had great faith. And Rahab is one of only two women who's mentioned in Hebrews 11 as uh, uh, someone with great faith. And th the first one was Sarah, and so we learned about her last week, and we learned how we too can go from being a Sarai who's, being, who's contending with God and, and argumentative and, and, and just always seeming to push against what God wants to do in us. And, and if we will we'll let that go and we will line ourselves up with God, we too can also then become a Sarah who is someone who is of, of noble character and someone who can be looked to as an example. Well, Rahab is, is kind of the same way. Um, in Hebrews 11, uh, verse 31, this is where uh, we learn about Rahab as a woman of faith. But you'll, you'll notice a word in there that describes someone that you might not think about as being someone with great faith. It says um, in uh, verse 11, it says, It was by faith that Rahab the prostitute, 
was not destroyed with the people in her city who refused to obey God, for she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. Now, we're going to learn about the spies, but let's just talk about that, that word, prostitute. When I think about a prostitute, you know, I said I could relate to Sarah, and I could. I could relate to Sarah in a lot of ways. I really can't relate to this. Um, and I'm not putting down anybody who can. God can change you. Um, but I, I don't relate to that one. Um, but she was a prostitute. And, and you know what? There were other prostitutes mentioned in the Bible. And God didn't look down his nose at those people. And he doesn't look down his nose at Rahab. Matter of fact, her heart caused him to use her in a way that we're still talking about thousands and thousands of years later. It's so wonderful to know that it doesn't matter where we come from as long as we don't stay in that place. And Rahab didn't stay in that place, and we're going to learn about her tonight. Now, the context for Rahab's story is this. Um, I'm going to back up a little bit. Rahab's not an Israelite. Uh, she lives in Jericho. So, so we're going to be talking a little bit, and I say just a little bit. We're going to talk about uh, the story of the Battle of Jericho. How many people can remember some song from childhood about the Battle of Jericho? Hands? Okay. Josh fit the Battle of Jericho, Jericho. Okay. Um, anyway. So Joshua has, has taken... Um, leadership over Israel because Moses, your servant, is dead. If you read the uh, in Joshua uh, chapter one, it, that's what it says. Moses, your servant, is dead, and so somebody has to rise uh, up and uh, take the leadership role over Israel. And and Moses actually, before he died, uh, petitioned God that it could be Joshua because Joshua. Um, was a, a great man of God. And Joshua was, was one of the 12 that was sent into the promised land um, and one of only two of them who didn't come back going, oh, they were like giants and we were like grasshoppers when God had told them that they could take it. But Joshua came back and said, no, we can surely take the land. So Joshua was a man of great faith himself and he was a very godly man. And so Moses had, had uh, kind of taken him under his wing and he was, he was what you might call Moses' protege. And so, um, so now Moses is dead and Joshua um, has been chosen by God to succeed him. And, and here's the other thing. Moses, okay, you remember how um, uh, when the Israelites were, were murmuring and complaining and, and God just said, okay, you know what? None of you are going to get to go into the promised land because this is ridiculous. Well, then, then it turns out Moses kind of messes up and he strikes a rock when he's not supposed to. And, and then God says to Moses, sorry, dude, you're not going to go into the promised land. Um, so Joshua gets the privilege of leading the people into the promised land. Um, and so he begins to prepare the people for that in chapter 1. Um, here's what you got to remember. Entering the promised land, that sounds wonderful, doesn't it? Let's, shall we all enter the promised land? But what does that really mean? It's not exactly a walk in the park. Entering the promised land 
means that the Israelites have to go into a land where people already live and they have to defeat them and kick them out. Well, that's, that doesn't sound nearly as, as fun as just entering the promised land, just like you would enter the room. It's, it's different. So they are going to have to go into this land and conquer the people who are living there. So we first hear about Rahab in Joshua chapter 2. And I want you to, if, if you've got your Bible turned there, if you've got your phone or whatever, uh, get to Joshua chapter 2, because we're going to read quite a bit out of Joshua chapter 2. You really kind of have to know the whole story uh, to be able to understand Rahab's role. So um, Rahab had three things in her life that were kind of working against her at this particular time, point in time. She was a woman, um, and in that uh, Canaanite culture, that wasn't necessarily a good thing. Women were, um, it was a very sexualized culture and women were used as prostitutes. They had temple prostitutes. They had, um, it, it just really wasn't a great time in history to be a woman for if you were a Canaanite. Um, so she had that going against her. She was a pagan, um, which meant that she did not, um, she was not born as in, into the covenant that God had made with his people. So she was out of covenant with God, and she was a prostitute. Now, there are some, uh, you can read some, some of your versions of your Bible might even shy away from using that term, but the fact of the matter is, if you really do a lot of research, she was a prostitute. Um, and so uh, we're going to start in Joshua chapter 2, and we're going to read for a little while. So here we go. Then Joshua secretly sent out two spies from the Israelite camp at Acacia Grove. He instructed them, scout out the land on the other side of the Jordan River, especially around Jericho. So the two men set out and came to the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there that night. But someone told the king of Jericho, some Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. So the king of Jericho sent orders to Rahab, bring out the men who have come into your house, for they have come here to spy out the whole land. Rahab had hidden the two men, but she replied, Yes, the men were here earlier, but I didn't know they were where they were from. They left the town at dusk as the gates were about to close. I don't know where they went. If you hurry, you can probably catch up with them. Actually, she had taken them up to the roof and hidden them beneath bundles of flax she had laid out. So the king's men went looking for the spies along the road leading to the shallow crossings of the Jordan River. And as soon as the king's men had left, the gate of Jericho was shut. Before the spies went to sleep that night, Rahab went up on the roof to talk with them. And this is, this is real important what we're getting ready to read here. Verse 9. I know the Lord has given you this land, she told them. We are all afraid of you. Everyone in the land is living in terror, for we have heard how the Lord made a dry path for you through the Red Sea when you left Egypt, and we know what you did to Sihon and Og, the two Amorite kings east of the Jordan River, whose people you completely destroyed. No wonder our hearts have melted in fear. No one has the courage to fight after hearing such things, for the Lord your God is the supreme God of the heavens above and the earth below." Now swear to me by the Lord that you will be kind to me and my family since I have helped you. 
Give me some guarantee that when Jericho is conquered, you will let me live along with my father and mother, my brothers and sisters, and all their families. Verse 14, we offer our own lives as a guarantee for your safety, the men agreed. If you don't betray us, we will keep our promise and be kind to you when the Lord gives us the land. Then, since Rahab's house was built into the town wall, she let them down by a rope through the window. Escape to the hill country, she told them. Hide there for three days from the men searching for you. Then, when they have returned, you can go on your way. Before they left, the men told her, We will be bound by the oath we have taken only if you follow these instructions. When we come into the land, you must leave this scarlet rope hanging from the window through which you let us down. And all your family members, your father, mother, brothers, and all your relatives must be here inside the house. If they go out into the street and are killed, it will not be our fault. But if anyone lays a hand on people inside this house, we will accept responsibility for their death. If you betray us, however, we are not bound by this oath in any way. I accept your terms, she replied, and she sent them on their way, leaving the scarlet rope hanging from the window. The spies went up into the hill country, stayed there three days. The men who were chasing them searched around uh, along the road, but they finally returned without success. Then the two spies came down from the hill country, crossed the Jordan River, and reported to Joshua all that had happened to them. The Lord has given us the whole land, they said, for all the people in the land are terrified of us. It's kind of a long story, and we're not quite done with it yet. Um, but there's, there's some things in there I want to take note of. Um, I think you should know, pay attention to this. And I, I told you there, there's a passage that's really important, and it starts um, in verse 9 when Rahab says, I know the Lord has given you this land. And then she says, we are all afraid of you. She says, I know the Lord. I know the Lord has given you this land. We, as in my city, all the people of Jericho, we are all afraid of you. Everyone is living in terror. For we, we've all heard how the Lord made a dry path for you. We know what you did to Sihon and Og. Okay, now keep in mind, the first sentence is, I know. So that's, that's Rahab. The next several sentences are we. That's, th- these are all the things we know. Okay. There's a big difference between what everybody knows and what Rahab knows. Think that through. She says, no wonder our hearts have melted in fear. No one has the courage after hearing such things. For the Lord your God is the supreme God. Now we're back to Rahab. See, that's not what, she's not saying everybody here says the Lord your God is the supreme God. She's saying that's coming from her heart. See, everybody knows what's happened. Here's what I know. The Lord your God is the supreme God. And she knows that he is the only way. The only way out for her. The only one who can save her. So it, was, it wasn't just that Rahab made a really good decision. Okay? Lots of people in life don't know God. 
And they still make pretty good choices for most of their life. They don't spend their whole life in jail. They don't make bad choices. But this isn't, but knowing God isn't about doing good things. And we're going to learn some more about this here in a minute. Knowing God does involve doing good things. But it is first and foremost about a revelation. And Rahab had gotten a revelation. All right? Now, she's out of covenant. She's not, this isn't, this isn't normal. This isn't what, the way everything's set up. But I'll tell you what it is. It is proof that God from the beginning has desired that all men and women would be saved. It's never been his desire that anyone should burn in hell. That's never been what he wanted. And so Rahab, I love Rahab because she shows me that even though I can read some of these stories in the Old Testament and I don't necessarily understand them, I know that God was a good God. We read stories that are hard to read sometimes because they go into cities and they destroy everyone. What we have to understand is judgment. And at that point in time, judgment was instantaneous sometimes. Okay? But it doesn't change the heart of God. It doesn't change who, it doesn't change his character. And his character has always been that he loves us and that he is doing what he can to draw men to himself and Rahab shows me that that is true because Rahab is, is out of covenant and she just, she just let God in. She just let him show himself to her. And we know that's true when she says, For the Lord your God is the supreme God of the heavens and the earth. Rahab was an she was a prostitute in a, a city full of prostitutes. There was nothing special about Rahab. She was just living a pagan life in a pagan city where people were just void of, of, of hearts that could be turned toward God. There was, she had no inside information. She got all the same info that everybody else had. She lists it all out. She had no inside information. She just had a heart that was postured toward God. And she believed that when God said something, it would come to pass. It was a done deal. She said, we know. We know that the Lord has given you this land. We know it. I know it. I know he's given you this land. It's a done deal. So I'm looking for help. Because I know that your God is the supreme God. So, in Joshua uh, chapters 3, 4, and 5, God then gives instructions um, concerning the plan to take Jericho. And how many people can remember? They, they, they go around the city once every day for six days. And then on the seventh day, I think it was, I, I hope I'm not messing that up. But anyway, they go around seven times. They have a big shout. They do it quietly the first six days. Then on the last day... At the end of it, Joshua gives the command. They give a big shout, and they don't even have to fight because the walls, well, they do have to fight, but the walls just come down. They don't have to fight to get into the city because that was the big problem with taking Jericho was how do we get in the city because its walls were fortified. And so, so 
Joshua 3, 4, and 5, God is preparing the Israelites through Joshua to go in and take the city. Interestingly enough, and I I don't know how many of y'all have really read this story, paying attention to, to details, but God also, you know, she says, we know how God parted the sea for you when you left Egypt. But in one of those three, four, or five, I can't remember which, God parts the waters yet again. It was the Jordan River this time. But God parts the waters of the Jordan River, and they walk through that on dry ground. They build a monument right there in the middle of it. Here's what's really cool about it is the Ark of the Covenant goes first, and the people who are carrying the Ark, it says when they step into the water, they've got to get their feet wet first. God's going to, and God tells them, I will roll back the waters. So they put their feet in the water and they go in first carrying the presence of God. Here's what's super cool. They get to the middle, the, the people carrying the ark, and they stop. They stop and they let all the Israelites go past them. And then they're the last ones to come out of the water. You know what that is a picture of? It's a picture of what we sing about a lot. God is going ahead of us. He's coming behind us to protect his people. It's such a cool story. And there's so much that we could talk about. But we're going to talk about Rahab because her story is pretty remarkable. So Rahab knew that the people of God had wandered the wilderness for 40 years and that God had moved powerfully on their behalf. Who He had, had, had protected them um, and he had promised that land to them. And she knew that God's promise meant it was a done deal. So then in Joshua chapter 6, this is where we pick back up again. Um, so uh, the, the walls have fallen down. They've charged in. They're taking the city. And in verse 22, it says, Meanwhile, Joshua said to the two spies, Keep your promise. Go to the prostitute's house and bring her out along with all her family. The men who had been spies went in and brought out Rahab, her father, mother, brothers, and all the other relatives who were with her. They moved her whole family to a safe place near the camp of Israel. Then the Israelites burned the town and everything in it. Only the things made from silver, gold, bronze, or iron were kept for the treasury of the Lord's house. So Joshua spared Rahab the prostitute and her relatives who were with her in the house because she had hidden the spies Joshua sent to Jericho. Here's the really cool part. And she lives among the Israelites to this day. See, it wasn't just that God just saved her in a moment. He saved her forever. And she was no longer Rahab, the prostitute. She was one of God's own. She was a noble woman, someone who could be looked up to. And it changed the course, not only of her life, but of her entire life family. Can I just, we could just sit on that for a long time. One decision to turn away from all of the things of the past and to look ahead to the future that God has for you will not just change you, but it 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 will spread out to everyone around you. Her story is so great. 
I want to go, though, to James chapter 2. We're going to go to the New Testament because while uh, she is in the, the hall of faith, she is also mentioned a couple other places in the New Testament. I will tell you, when you, if you look up Rahab in the Bible, there are some verses that you're going to go, oh, wait, now, okay, there, there, there's a Rahab that's a city. So that's a little bit confusing in, in Psalms. It talks, I think it's Psalms that talks about Rahab that is a city. Um, and uh, so there are some other Rahabs, but, but the Rahab that is talking about Rahab the prostitute um, who helped the spies, uh, James chapter 2 is talking about her. In verse 14, it says this, it's, and this, this should sound very familiar to us as, a New Test, as New Testament believers. It says, what good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith but don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see your brother or sister who has no food or clothing and you say goodbye and have a good day. Stay warm and eat well. But then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? So you see, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. Now someone may argue, some people have faith, others have good deeds. But I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you by my, my faith by my good deeds. And then if you jump down, it talks about Abraham and his actions backing up the faith that he had. But in verse 24 it says, so you see we are shown to be right with God by what we do, not by faith alone. 25, Rahab the prostitute is another example. She was shown to be right with God by her actions when she hid those messengers and sent them safely away by a different road. Just as the body is dead without breath, so also faith is dead without good works. I don't know if it's occurred to anybody because we, you know, we use that, that, that verse a lot. Faith without works is dead. Does it, did it dawn on any of us that right before, before that, it's talking about Rahab. That means she had a faith that is so worthy of our attention that she's put in the, the great hall of faith in Hebrews 11. She's talked about here. He's talking about, James talks about two people, Abraham and Rahab. That's great faith, great faith. And it says, I love this, it says she was shown to be right with God. She wasn't in covenant. She shouldn't be right with God. It wasn't about her natural bloodline. It was about her heart. And so it's so important that we learn these lessons from the life of Rahab. And I want to give you six lessons that you can learn from the life of Rahab. I'm going to go fast, I promise. Um, number one, your past doesn't define your present, but hear this, it is your testimony. And, and, and there's a lot of us that want to leave our past in the past, and we should in the sense of not repeating it, not allowing it to define who we are today. But did you know that other than in, in the, the book of Matthew, 
every time Rahab is mentioned, it says Rahab the harlot or Rahab the prostitute. What, did she continue to be a harlot? Did she continue to be a prostitute? No, she did not. But that's how we know how great and mighty God was in her life to pick her up out of this life and set her down in a whole new life. So, so Rahab, every time it mentions her, it says Rahab the prostitute. Well, you know what? I, I think she's probably okay with it. I think she is, and and I think that it's a great reminder to us that when we have a past, there is a reason for it to come up periodically, and that reason is for for God to be glorified through the change that's been made in our own personal lives. So so your past doesn't define you, but it is part of your testimony. There's no shame in what you've done, there's only glory to God when you tell people what he's brought you out of and how far down you were and how he lifted you up out of that. Number two, your natural genealogy or bloodline doesn't limit what God can do and wants to do through you. Rahab was a pagan out of covenant with God by her natural birth. She was an outsider. That that. That made her an enemy of the Jewish people. But Rahab opened her heart up to God. She didn't just see what God had done, but she allowed the, the great and mighty things he had done to birth in her the revelation of who he actually was. And so she was able to enjoy... the privilege of serving God as an outsider. And then that brought her in and and she was forever a part of God's family from that point on. And she proves that God loves all people and desires that they would all be saved. Number three, God uses the willing and the faithful. Rahab was both. God's ability and desire to use you and bless you has nothing to do with any of those three things that were working against her, not, it has nothing to do with your gender. It has nothing to do with your occupation. It, it, it just doesn't. And so God is just looking for the people who are willing and who are faithful. And he used Rahab in spite of cultural limitations. And he did that be, just because she believed. She acknowledged him and she believed who he was. Number four, Rahab's faith saved her and her entire family. And the choices that we make affect other people. They set the course uh, uh, for, for our children's lives. And, and so when we make good choices, praise God, that's, that affects our children in a positive way. But when we make bad choices, it never stays with us, ever. Um, and so these, these things, these choices that we make in life, I mean, we can make them work for us or against us, but here's what I can tell you. If you've been making bad choices, Rahab made a lot of bad choices. Even lying was a wrong choice. God says that lying is wrong, and she lied to the officials, but God blessed her because he knew her heart in telling that lie, and she was able to still be used despite having made that mistake. But God will use people to to affect he will use you to affect a lot of people around you Sarah Moody did a great 
uh, teaching yesterday in our school about uh, St. Patrick. And it was really amazing to know that a single man did such an amazing work in, an, I mean, in a country. He changed an entire country just by being faithful to God and, and telling the good news of Jesus Christ. Number five, the scarlet rope, like the blood of the Passover lamb, was a foreshadowing of the blood of Jesus and its power to save us. And, you know, there is, you've probably heard this said before, but there is truly a scarlet thread that goes from the beginning of the Bible all the way to the end of it. And it represents the blood of Christ. And, and we sometimes don't realize that the Old Testament, I mean, Jesus is in every book of it. And so... Um, the blood of Jesus has the power to save in, in the same way that the scarlet rope is what saved Rahab. The, the, the blood of the Passover lamb is what saved uh, the people of Israel at, when they were getting ready to leave Egypt. And God has always had a redemptive plan for mankind. It's always been centered around the substitutionary atonement of Jesus Christ. And I was thinking about that tonight as we were just singing Jesus, he took my place in divine exchange. I mean, that's a big song. That's a, a song that when I sing that song, that, that ministers to my heart because the concept there is so amazing that God would substitute his own child for me. And the last one is faith without works is dead. Faith without works is dead. And I would ask you this question. Would we be talking about Rahab today if she had not hidden the spies? If she had not helped them escape? I don't think we'd be talking about Rahab today. Why? Because faith without works is dead. And we know how faithful she was, not because she said, I believe, but because she backed up what she said with her actions. She put her money where her mouth is. And, and, and I'm telling you, a, the day is coming where we as Christians cannot just check the box anymore. We are going to have to stand and put our money where our mouth is and say, I do not believe this is okay. And I know that makes me very unpopular, but I will not agree with what the Bible disagrees with. I will not say that, that, that your truth can be your truth and my truth is my truth. There is one truth. And Rahab took a stand. She drew a line in the sand and she wasn't willing to cross it. And I think we need to learn from that as Christians today. And then the last thing that I want to say is this. Rahab is mentioned in the book of Matthew, verse one, or chapter 1, verse 5. This is the genealogy of Jesus. And I, I didn't do the calculating of the great greats, but she is, she's one of Jesus' grandmas. And it's kind of funny because, not funny, just interesting, because she's also the mother-in-law of Ruth. Ruth, and that's a, I was going to try and do both of them tonight, there's just not time, but Ruth was another woman who was not in covenant. She was a Moabite. And she was not in covenant with God. 
but she, she had a heart that was turned toward God. She saw through her mother, uh, her mother-in-law, so she wasn't, I'm mixed up. But anyway, she was the father of Boaz, I believe, is who Rahab was. I might be mixed up on that. Read the genealogy, it'll tell you. But what I'm saying is this. She was one of, uh, someone in, very close to Ruth. And Ruth is, has a very similar story to Rahab. Now, Ruth wasn't a prostitute, but she was out of covenant with God. But her heart toward him brought her in to covenant. There are only five women mentioned in the genealogy of Jesus. And for any woman to be mentioned in the genealogy was completely unheard of in the time this was written. When they wrote genealogies, they only wrote the men into the genealogies, but not when it came to the genealogy of Jesus. And it tells me if five women were listed, that was for a reason, and it was kind of a big deal. And so Rahab and Ruth are both listed just right next to each other in the genealogy of Jesus. And I love that because um, it just shows us how much God truly has loved mankind from the beginning and how much he really, really, really loves you and he loves me. And I think about, you know, I just, I wrote down the names of the songs of this, that we sang tonight. I agree with Chapman, great and greatly to be praised. That's our Jesus. That's our Jesus. That's the, that's the scarlet rope that was hanging from the window that saved Rahab. The goodness of Jesus. Oh, the goodness, the goodness of Jesus. Satisfied, he's all that I need. Think about that. And then... Jesus, he took my place in divine exchange. Hallelujah, grace is mine. And now I will live by faith for the one who saves. He gave all to give me life. I lay down. All lesser things for greater gain. Stand with me. He is alive inside of me. I lay down all lesser things for greater gain. He is alive inside of me. I lay down all lesser things. For greater gain, he is alive inside of me. I lay down all lesser things. For greater gain, he is alive. Sing it. Jesus, he took my place in divine exchange. Hallelujah, grace is mine. And now I will live by faith for the one who saves. He gave all to give me life. 
Father, thank you. Thank you that you gave all. Thank you for that scarlet rope that was hanging in the window for Rahab. And thank you for the blood of Jesus that was poured out for us. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, God, that you've been revealing Jesus to us from the beginning. That you made a way from the beginning, God, and that you have always been good that you have always been loving toward mankind. And I thank you, God, for the proof in the life of Rahab. Let it change us. Reveal yourself to us through this story. We praise you for it. We thank you for these, these men and women of great faith, God, that we can, can look to as examples and we can say, if they can have that kind of faith, God, so can I. Let it be, God, in this church that we would rise up as men and women of great faith, that we would be willing to take a stand when it's necessary, God, and that we would honor you with our lives. God, we love you and we give you praise in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Y'all have a great night. Thank you for being part of our podcast today. You'll find more online messages from Christian Ministries Church, as well as location information on our website at cmchurch.net. There's a place for you at Christian Ministries Church, where it's more than a church, it's family.